been fun since one camp's been over. Just watching our kids. We had our lake day on Friday. It was a lot of fun just killing kids on inner tubes. Nothing better than that ever. And so, yeah, a lot of fun, super great. And again, we'd love for y'all just to be involved, get connected. And so it'd be a lot of fun. All right, well, let's dive in this morning. I, I wanted this, I'm going to turn my uh, Wi-Fi off because I'm getting tons of texts this morning from people. So uh, make sure I can concentrate. But yeah, I want to uh, just kind of begin at this place this morning, kind of where I've been the last couple of weeks. So uh, so we, we've been in Spain. Uh, Randall and Sarah went for 14 days. I went for like nine days. And we were ending with Anna Catherine. She was doing her 10-week study abroad program with Georgia Tech. And I mean, they had a, she had a blast. We got to go see where she was. It was uh, an amazing time, lots of great things. Yes, we got to fully experience the heat wave of Europe. It was 105 degrees seemingly every day. And we got to walk all day long. It made a lot of sense, right? So a lot of fun, but we had a great time, super fun. But some of the things that God's been stirring in me the last couple of weeks have, have been around the idea of this duality of, of reality that we live in, this uh, kind of duality of reality, that we have these two pieces that define us, that we are people who live as uh, our life in the Spirit. And so as Christians, followers of Jesus, we have this life where we are living in relationship with Jesus, we're being loved by Jesus, we are follow, listening to Jesus, following Jesus, right? But we also have that life in the flesh, and I don't mean flesh in a negative sense, I mean just this human reality, that we're living a human life, and so we have we have families, and we have friends, and we have jobs, and we have callings in the earth, and we get to enjoy the beauty of creation, get to go on vacations. We have struggles. We have hardships that we're dealing with. And so this understanding we live, we live in these two realities, this life in the spirit, this understanding of who we are in Christ, and then this life that we live in our flesh, and the in our human body, in our human life. And so in this place, right, these realities are meant to work hand in hand, kind of in a symbiotic relationship where they are different, they are unique, but they are to work together, where we live our life in the spirit. And in living our life in the spirit, as you know, it's to enable, it's to empower, and it's supposed to, to lead the life that we live in our flesh, in our human reality. And one of the things I've begun to, as I was thinking through this week, is just this tension that we live in as human beings that we we can sometimes outweigh on one side or the other the life that we're living. Have you ever been around somebody who you would say they are so they are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good? Right, those people who are just so hyper spiritual and they're, they're hyper religious to the point they become almost useless to the kingdom and useless to, to real world life and real situations and life that's going on around them. Or more common, we find those people who just live so focused on their human world and their human mind that they live disconnected from the reality of what's going on in the life of the spirit. They may be followers of Jesus, but they become so enamored by or so focused on things of the world that the anxieties of the world and the worries of the world and the fears of the world and the passions of the world, whatever it may be, seemingly trump. And the only time they reach out to Jesus is when they reach a crisis moment. But that becomes difficult because they haven't been engaging this relationship with Jesus to engage him to hear his voice. And so in a crisis mode, all of a sudden they realize they can't do it anymore that's when they finally reach out. And I begin to, as I begin to think through that, realizing, my gosh, I think in this generation, in our culture, I feel like this out-of-balance piece and these realities are defining so much of who we are as individuals and who we are as Christ followers. And this morning, I don't come to throw stones and say, do better, you sinner. I was going to say this morning, hey, let's just 
let's just wake up, right? Let's just wake up to what God is doing. Let's wake up again to the understanding of this life that we live in the spirit that then ultimately is the umbrella over our human life that we live, our life in the flesh, and recognizing as we live our life in the spirit in tune with Jesus, our ears focused, our eyes focused towards him, that it begins to then empower the life that we're living, the life that we're living here on earth. I think it's an invitation this morning to to return back to the symbiotic relationship of of life in the spirit that we're called to live and life in our the flesh, our human life empowered by God's spirit this morning. I think that's the invitation in that. And it's in this balance, right, that I want to that, that we say that we want to be a people who live in this symbiotic relationship. And with that I believe it requires us shifting our posture, our posture back towards Jesus. I think all of you understand the nature of posture being really, really important in life, right? So so let's say for those of you who are parents, you have your, you know, say your three-year-old daughter. We had, I think about Sarah and AK back in the day, three-year-old daughter, and they're standing up in the jungle gym, and they say, hey, mom, dad, catch, right? Your posture of receiving them is incredibly important, isn't it? If you're just kind of like this on one foot, they land, you just fall back with you. You know, you kind of get yourself postured. We were at the airport, I believe, this, obviously this week, and so you're at Atlanta Hartsfield and the plane train, right, taking you from terminal, you know, from, from the terminal all the way down to like terminal E or whatever it may be, and all of a sudden they say, you know, get ready. And so if you don't have your posture ready, it's going to throw you onto the floor, right? The posture that you're living in is incredibly important to, to, for the moment that you're you're in. And so I would say as it relates to the symbiotic relationship, this life in the spirit and, and this the life in the flesh, that how you're living and the posture that you have before God is vitally important. That this morning, in a sense, you could say it's a posture check for you. And what I want to do this morning, I want to look at our posture in these three different ways. I want to look at the posture of our heart. I want to look at the posture of our mind. And then we look at the posture of your will before the Lord. Posture of your heart. Posture of your mind. And then the posture of your will. The reality is this. We talk about God speaking and hearing God's voice. The reality is that where your posture is in relationship to Jesus impacts how well you hear his voice and how well you do with following him in your life in the spirit, in your life in the flesh. With that in mind, we're going to use the story of Jesus from John 10 as the good shepherd and the sheep, his sheep that follow him, right? The sheep that we know who know his voice. We're going to use that as the foundation of our message this morning. You can turn on the, the, the screen here as I read from John chapter 10. These are familiar verses, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger, they will not follow, but instead they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice 
of strangers. Sheep are used again and again in the Old Testament and New Testament as figures of speech to speak about the followers of Jesus, right? The followers of God. Growing up, I was always taught and always heard and repeated it multiple times that God compared us to sheep because sheep aren't very smart and they can be easily led astray, right? And there obviously is some level of truth in all of this. But this morning, I want to redeem the sheep analogy a bit to describe the posture, again, that we are to have in our heart and our mind and our will before the Father. The first, again, is the posture of the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it's on the screen for you, it says this, Keep your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, be diligent in it, right? For from it flows the springs of life. According to scripture, the heart is the place where emotion desires and passions begin. The heart is the birthplace of your longings. You know about longings, like the, the longings, we call them the longings of your heart, the passions and the desires. It's what causes us to be enamored or captured by the things or the person or persons that we are in love with. Right, I always tell people all the time, they're like, why do I love this thing so much? Is that the heart loves what the heart wants to love, right? You think about people that you love back in middle school and high school or even in college, like, I don't want to like this person, but I just do, right? Because the heart just loves and longs who the heart wants to love and long for. There are these passions that are birthed. You don't necessarily have control of them. They just birth out. They just kind of explode out. That's the nature of the heart. When we give our lives to Jesus, It begins with God replacing our cold spiritual heart that is in distance and disconnect from God and and giving us what we call a heart of flesh that's named in Ezekiel chapter 36. It's your heart that ultimately leads you. It's a heart that ultimately guides you because it is dictating what you are passionate about and what you ultimately desire in life. Those passions and desires, they are limitless. In life, and they are unique to each of you. You all know I'm passionate about bass fishing. I know most of you aren't, right? But you have your own unique passions that I don't have. They are unique to us. What I may have, you may not have, and vice versa. These things ultimately then set the passion of your heart. The things you look towards, the things you go after ultimately in life, right? What are, what are you passionate about? What are the things or the things that you desire most? What dictates the direction of your heart posture? These passions will lead you, meaning the posture of your heart will be pointed in the direction of that which you were most passionate about. Do you know what those are? Have you been honest with yourself about the passions of your life and the things that draw you, the things that prod you, the things that you go after. In our world, you know some of these things. This on a large scale, people have a passion for power. So they go after that. They seek for it. They name drop wherever they go, trying to show the level of power they have, or they name drop to show the level of influence that they have. Oh, yeah, do you know? Oh, I know so, and so do you. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Power and influence. Maybe it's just a passion for comfort. 
Everything in life is to be comfortable. Everything in life is to be easy. If it gets too hard, they pull back from it. Say, well, God's leading me away from this, really because they just have an idol of comfort in their life. Maybe the idol is a person. Maybe this passion is a person. Maybe it's just a passion of happiness. Does it make me happy? I'm not going to do it. If my feelings don't lead me to it and my feelings dictate my life, then I'm not going to do it unless it makes me happy. Maybe it's a passion for money, right? Again, it's really common in our culture. Money leads people, draws people, right? They may not be my friends until they realize I have it, they realize I have it, and they're my friend, right? People are drawn to it. Their hearts are drawn to it. Their passions are drawn to it. The posture of their heart is pointed. And in redeeming our understanding of sheep, it's good to recognize them as simple creatures. They're not dumb, but they are simple They get anxious, they get distressed, they feel sadness when they lose sheep friends, definitely sad when they lose their shepherd in their lives. Their shepherd is the focus of their passions. The the shepherd is the focus of their desires, nothing else. They focus their eyes on the call of their shepherd. They won't follow any other voice. His voice is distinct. They know it. It's the only one that can get them to move. They follow one another, yes. Sheep listen to the shepherd's voice, and the only voice that moves them again is the shepherd. I love this. The story Jesus tells us here are the other voices that try and lead the sheep astray. Jesus could have meant many things by these other voices. The Pharisees themselves, who he's talking to, could have been the the myriad of other false prophets who were trying to raise up revolutions in the day. Could have been the political leaders of the day, whatever Jesus was talking about. Ultimately, he was speaking about other voices in the sheep's life that was trying to steal preeminence, trying to steal priority in their lives, voices that weren't speaking about other passions, voices that were speaking other passions and other loves besides Jesus. But in their simplicity, in the sheep, in their simplicity, the good shepherd was the only voice that defined their great passion The good shepherd was the only voice that defined their heart posture that was always towards him. We have to recognize today what the posture of our heart is. You have to recognize, be honest about, state truthfully before God and before others and before yourself, what actually is the posture of your heart? Where is it leading and do you know? That's the starting point this morning about our heart, our life in the flesh, and our life in the spirit, and the symbiotic relationship where the life in the spirit and empowering the life in our flesh and the posture of our heart. Where is it? What is leading and guiding us? What is the ultimate thing? Do you know? Do you know what's ultimately leading, guiding, and directing? For the sheep, it was simple. It was simply the shepherd. We have to recognize today our posture. And we have to reset our posture towards the good shepherd. Because if we don't, then we won't see and we won't hear him. Second is the posture of the mind. The mind speaks to what we give our thoughts to, right? Whereas our heart speaks to what we give our affection to. So our mind speaks to what we give our thoughts to and our heart what we give our affection to. Our minds, we all know we're running every day with all sorts of all sorts of thoughts, aren't they? You have to-do lists running through your mind. You have responsibilities. You have hobbies that are running through. You have relationships. You have the weather running through your mind and traffic. You have memories from your past. You have the future and the thoughts that revolve around it. Your, your mind is always moving. It's always racing with all 
sorts of different thoughts in your life, right? Some people's minds, most of us are running at breakneck pace every single day, but not sheep, right? Not sheep. Listen, they're just simple. Their minds are focused on what to eat, what to drink, who to follow, and who to listen to. It's as simple as that. What to drink, what to eat, who to follow, and who to listen to. Now, I recognize we can't be that simple, but in a very big way, God's call to us is to simplify by creating. Listen, the call, listen, the call of God is to simplify, to create a mental posture, listen, of trust and of faith in Jesus. That's the posture. Think about all the thoughts that race through your mind. I don't mean like the Georgia Bulldog thoughts that Jay and I are thinking all day long. Praise God, right? Like, we might go read Dog Nation. He goes to Dog Vent. He's got more stuff than I do. I call him, what's happening, right? He gives me the news. Like, there's sometimes that kind of stuff. But there are other things, and it does create anxiety and pressure at times. It does, it does, right? But there are other things, and you know what they are. And there are lots of things that create this pressure and this tension, this anxiety, these things we don't have control of. They're overwhelming us. They all of a sudden define us. We're stuck by them. We're literally just completely immobilized because of them. And sheep just say, so who am I following? Oh, he'll take care of me. This is the invitation. This is not a condemnation. This is an invitation this morning. Hear that. It's just an invitation. It's not condemnation. I'm not saying, you're terrible. Do better. I'm saying, no, that's the invitation. There's an invitation to simplicity. There's an invitation to faith. There's an invitation to trust this morning. Steve, you don't know. You're right. I'm not in your mind, but I want to tell you I do know. There's just an invitation to faith and trust. I will help you with that to the best of my ability. There's an invitation to simplicity this morning, to a place of faith and trust. And let me just read to you Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 6. I'm not going to theologize around them. I'm not going to Greek you with them this morning. I'm just going to read them because Jesus says exactly what he means in it. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to overprocess it. You don't have to go over Greekicize it or like blue letter Bible it. All you have to do is just read it for what it says and, and, and let, let you know Jesus is saying this being very clear what I'm saying. Hear me. Chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. An invitation. You don't have to be anxious about your life, what you will eat or, or what you will drink. Not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and let your heavenly Father feeds them. Just remember, these are people who are struggling with necessities of life. And he's saying, you don't have to worry about these things. Are you not, and he goes, are you not of more value than they? The answer is yes, y'all. And which of you being anxious? I love this. It's so logical. I think he's smiling here. I think he has a glint of light in his eyes, the wink that he gives to people with great compassion like a father does, a loved one. And which of you, honestly, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his or her span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, 
how they grow in their toil and their spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them all, excuse me. But just seek first his kingdom, right? Simplicity. But just seek first the kingdom of God. Set your posture before the Lord. Set your posture in a viewpoint of seeing him and knowing him. Set, simplify the viewpoint of your posture, the posture before the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all of your needs will be added to you. A right posture of our mind is to move towards a posture and mind of faith and of trust. In Jesus, it is a call to simplify. Simplify focusing your mind and thoughts on Him. Life of the Spirit, returning again, taking your listen. It's as simple. It's like not. It's as simple, but it's hard. It's right. The paradox. When the thought comes, you just take it captive and say, No, no, no. We're looking at Jesus. Bow down to Him. It's it's hard. And listen, it's harder than easy, right? Because of culture and because of your life and because of so many things. And I get it. But it's every day you say, God, I'm just taking this thought captive, taking this thought captive, and just turning towards you. What was once hard just becomes easier over time. Isn't that how a journey is? I don't know about you, but I hate running with every single fabric of my being. And so I can't speak about running very well, and I can't really give it to you, but I know from other people that the more you do it, the easier it gets. Right? The more you do it, the easier it gets. In fact, isn't that the case of everything? I'm so bad at what? I'm so bad at this. Great. Just start and keep on doing it. What happens in time? You get better. Take every thought captive. It's so hard, I know, but as you continue to do and set your posture before the Lord and say, God, by grace, would you help me with faith and trust to believe you in these things? God, I set my posture before you. My mind posture before you. Faith, God, it's hard. Would you make it simple by your grace, right? I want to say to you, just this week, take a deep breath every day, say, Holy Spirit, speak. And then just read Matthew 6, 25 through 33, at least, read it once, twice, three, five times a day. It doesn't take long, it took me like 15 seconds, 30 seconds maybe, right? Five times, takes you two and a half minutes, whatever it is, I had to do quick math, I could have been wrong. Read it five times and say, Jesus, I can't make this happen, but you can help. And just see what happens. The posture of the will, third. Will speaks to wishes or desires that lead our choices. You all understand willpower? You were a junior high boy one time, guys. Girls, you're junior high too in high school and, and today for all of us. Like I pray, God, give me the willpower to make this choice. God, give me the willpower to actually choose to get up and go run, right? To get up and not eat that donut, whatever it may be. God, the will, my desires, help me, Jesus. We all understand will. We, under, we remember the words of Paul. Oh, the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. Oh, my will. Oh, God, I have these desires, but I need the strength to do those things, right? Have you ever stood on top of a 20-foot, 30-foot, 40-foot cliff? I have, right? Never forget 40-foot cliff over in Lake Martin. Anybody ever been on it? Some of you have been, I know. Lake Martin, Lake Martin, Lake Martin. Thank you right there. You win. There you go. Bonus points. 
First time I ever went ever forget, I got there, I had my have my Tevas on because they were going to hurt my feet jumping in that. And I get, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. I watched the first person jump, and they were scared of it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so easy. I can't believe they didn't just get there and just jump off. That's ridiculous, right? And I get up, and I'm like, oh, right? And I'm like, you can go ahead, man. Go ahead. I'll go last, bro. Oh, my gosh. I pray. Jesus, give me the will. My will wants to do this, but everything inside of me is saying, yelling at me, no, right? That's what we feel like. The posture of wanting to do it but not wanting to. And so this idea is this posture of our will. Our will can be fickle. It can be weak. But sheep aren't fickle, nor are they weak in their resolve to listen to and follow their master, to follow their shepherd. Sheep are something we, listen, they may be dumb, but they should be an aspiration for us. Right? They're an inspiration I love the power and simplicity of verses 4 through 5 of John 10. It says this. I've already read it. I've already kind of even mentioned it in the first one. It says, I want you to see the simplicity of these verses. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Stranger, they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of of strangers. I don't know about you, but I read that in pause because there have been lots of times in life when I had a stranger yelling at me and I followed them into places that I did the things I did not want to do. I know every single one of you would nod your head in agreement for your own life. And I look at those aspirations and I'm like, God, I want to put a posture of my will towards you in such a way that the stranger's voice and time just gets so quiet and gets so small that when it speaks, I'm like, whatever, and I turn towards you. That's what my desire is. Put the posture of my heart, posture of my mind, posture of my will in the direction and leading of the Good Shepherd. I love sheep, their posture, like I'm creeping around sheep, and they're kind of doing their thing, milling around, and all of a sudden, the shepherd just makes the unique call that he's designed for them, whether a guttural call or a high call, he creates one just unique for his sheep, and all of a sudden they go, and just start following, right? Their will is always set towards following, listening to and following him. Listen, this is the goal of our will, to be posture before God and following him by grace by grace God's ability is the destination of our will not just our goal but our destination that we will move towards in time sin although something we'll always wrestle with until we are clothed in sanctified body it'll begin to lose its influence in our lives as we continue to grow because like sheep we will set our posture of our will towards the longings and desires of the shepherd and every other voice that we run from to encourage you this morning, is there something 20 years ago that you thought you would never have victory over and you mostly do today? It could be something small, right? It could be working at me again. I could go to the list. Somebody go to the list. You know what I'm getting at. Things that all of a sudden you're doing today or the things that you're not doing that you're thought, oh, I can never could or whatever it is. And now you are. And you're like, and you kind of lost sight of it, but it's actually happening. Y'all, that's, 
That's a victory that points to the grace of the Lord empowering you because you put your posture in a posture of and whatever, how big or small that it is, right? You put your posture of will before the Father and said, I submit this, God. You and I working together. We're going to co-labor in this. And now I have victory. And then celebrate that and use it as fuel to recognize that that can happen. Then this can happen here too. Posture of our heart passions, posture of our mind, our thoughts, and the posture of our will, like sheep before the Lord, always focused towards him. How do we change our posture? Lots of things I could say this morning. I'm just going to give you three super practical things to help you, right? How do we change our posture so that the life of the Spirit leads, guides, and directs us? You can go ahead and put them on the screen for me, right? Let God be honest with you. Be honest with yourself and let others be honest with you. Let God be honest with you. Ask God to examine you every day. The prayer of examine from Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Oh God, search me and know me. Know every anxious thought in me. One of the reasons we don't set our posture right is because we just say, God, I'm completely fine leading my own life. And I never ask him what he's thinking. I dare you, with grace and love behind God's words to you, to say, God, examine me and tell me where my thoughts are wrong. Tell me where my posture is not right. Ask him. Ask him what he's thinking, right? Let's, and then when the, like, here's the thing. When's the last time, be honest with yourself. When's the last time you heard God say something like this? Hey, Steve, this is not right in your life. Let's change it together. Right? When's the last time you heard God or felt God put his finger on something or say something? Hey, this isn't right. Let's work on it together. I'm not going to leave you alone to do it. Let's work on it together. I'll be honest with you. That should be happening on a regular basis. I'm not going to put up, say, once a day, once a week. I'm not going to say any of that because God can do what he wants to, right? He knows himself better than I do, right? But he wants us to, it needs to be regularly, that he's putting his finger on things. We're going, yes, sir, let's do this. And we're changing the posture of our heart, mind, and will towards him. Second thing, be honest with yourself. You alone, outside of God, know your weaknesses. You know your growth areas. You know your struggles within your own heart, your mind, and your will. You portray something towards me and everybody else, but you know what's really going on on the inside. Are you being honest with yourself? Because that's what God does. He speaks to you, and he says, hey, let's get going over here, right? And there's a huge chasm of difference between knowing what I should do and actually doing it. Some people just feel better about themselves. They say, well, yeah, I'll put on some extra weight. I need to lose weight. I need to go work out more. I need to run more. I just recognize where I am. And they feel better just having named what the problem is. That's not helpful. It's one thing to name it, another thing to go do it, right? The posture of the mind, will, and heart is I say, I'm being honest with self. God, help me, and I confess this to someone else and ask them to come alongside of me and help me to get to that place. Right? And the third piece, let, this is the hardest, I don't know why, but just is, let others be honest with you. How good are you at letting people tell you critically the areas where you need to grow? You love it when someone tells you you have some green stuff in your teeth. You love it when somebody tells you your zipper's down when you're walking on stage, which Reno does for me because she loves me. 
right? You love it when somebody says, you got a big old fat boogie right here in the left nostril. Woo, get that thing out, right? You're like, oh, thank you very, very much, right? But all of a sudden, they then come and tell you where the posture of your heart is not right. They come and tell you, hey, right, this is, I'm seeing this in the life of your flesh. I feel like you're missing it in the life of the spirit over here. And all of a sudden, a little lawyer comes out, and you start defending yourself left and right and saying, well, the reason why is blah, 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 blah. It's so illogical. Now, I'm not saying every Tom, Dick, and Harry who walks up to you has the right to tell you what's going on in your life. But the people who know you best, you trust the most, and you know love you, you should be an open door always to them to say, come and tell me what you see, what you're seeing from me, and help me, because I may be missing it. Because when I get into my life of the flesh with my heart not postured, I don't see and I'm not hearing from God. But I can at least physically from you hear. We were sitting on a rooftop terrace this past week in Barcelona. The sun had gone down, right? And we're just sitting there hanging out. And, and we're just having a great time, the four of us. And Anna Catherine looks over and says, hey, hey, tell me some growth areas in my life. I want to know. And Sarah's like, yeah, yeah tell me too. And I'm like, is this really happening in real life? Right? Because I'm sitting here just like measuring the, the things. There's just a couple of things, right? No, there's like a thing in my life. And I'm sitting there going, huh. And I'm like, my mind's saying, okay, be a good dad. Be loving when you say this. Do it super kind, grace-filled. They're fantastic, and they are, right? And so we just started going through the list. A lot of it was just like 18 and 19-year-old type things. So like, hey, next steps in your life and growth theories of your life and blah, blah, blah. And they were both going, oh, yeah, yeah, I see that. Oh, yeah, I really need to do better in that. Right? Like some of the things they already do. And I'm sitting there, and we just sat there for like 30 minutes. May have been longer than that, right? Just talking through growth theories. And I thought to myself, this is one of the most profound moments I've ever had with my girls. It was so powerful. And then I was convicted. Would I be willing to let them do this to me? Because they know me best. They love me most. They're going to be brutally honest, but always love me. Half my back, they think I'm the best thing ever. Would I be willing to let them tell me? I was like, absolutely. We haven't gotten there yet. We're going to go to a rooftop terrace in Atlanta, make that happen soon, right? We were supposed to do it one night. We did not go to the rooftop terrace. But anyway, that's it, right? And there's something so powerful and so logical that God places people in your life who can be Jesus to you because they love you best and know you best. And it's seemingly the most dangerous, isn't it? Because all of a sudden you have to like receive criticism and you have a hard time because of rejection from your past to see it as constructive. But I would invite you to it. Because when you do it with someone who is smiling at you and telling you they love you and you know they do the entire time, it hurts and it stings, but the sting of a friend is powerful according to Proverbs. It brings healing. Why is posture so important to hearing God's voice? Sheep give us the answer because their posture was set towards God. And what I see is their heart, mind, and will. They had an openness, therefore, and direct path and a desire to listen to and hear from him, and they would. Sheep are aspiration, they are inspiration. This morning I just invite you to it. Father, this morning as we come into a time of worship, 
I pray right now, Jesus, that you would take these words and not just close it off as if we're done, not closing the chapter. It's a Sunday morning message from Steve. I pray that you would now take this in the places where you need to awaken us to the words that you're speaking that are an, an invitation to a journey that leads to a posture change which then leads to a life of spirit change, which then leads to a life of flesh change. And all of a sudden we wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I did not realize I was in a slumber. God, forgive me, but thank you for waking me. Now let's do this. Whatever that is, whatever this is, let's do this. The life that you have for them, God, the life you have for us, we invite you to come. Jesus, come and have your way. Speak into our hearts and lives in Jesus' name. We have ministry teams available on both sides this morning who would let's take anything that we're wrestling with this morning, whether you want to pray for breakthrough or on posture, just even confess some, maybe some sin, that's where you're comfortable with this person this morning, or something that you're wrestling with you want prayer for. You want to come to the altar. And just and There's something so powerful about coming and submitting ourselves to the Lord on our knees in an act of humility, just to come and to the altar and say, God, would you search me and would you know me this morning and show me all these thoughts that are not committed and submitted to you this morning. We want to come and take communion this morning. This is a, a remembrance and a celebration of the work of Jesus to save you and to thank him for it and to say, now God, take me and reawaken me this morning to the reality of your cross, the reality of your resurrection. Whatever it is this morning, would you, would you do some holy business with the Lord and just let him be honest with you and then take some time and say, God, would you give me strength today to invite people to be honest with me? He responds, the Lord leads.